0: So we'll here volunteering next week. We'll also send you some emails to make sure that you note of the adjusted time to be here. Um, but if you have your Bibles, open them up. We're going to uh, read uh, from the Gospel text right now. This is John 10, uh, verse 10b uh, through 16. I'm going to get myself situated a little bit up here. As Leon said technolo- said last week, uh, technology is not really my thing. Um, so I am figuring this out. I actually had Leon... Before we got started today, he came over and uh, adjusted my screen so it never goes dark. i um, kind of one of those parents that is looking forward to their children becoming teenagers so I can have them fix my phone when it breaks, uh, figure out how to turn the flashlight off when I'm at the store and somebody notes that the flashlight has been on uh, the whole time while I'm checking out. Uh, so uh, forgive me if I have some issues with the technologies, but technology, but we will figure this out. Uh, so the text is... Uh, Again, from John 10. And you can read it at home on your screen, um, or you can read it right in your bulletin. I have come that they may have life, and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand, and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. Amen. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for an opportunity on this Sunday morning to worship you. We were made to be worshipers, and our best life, our most full life, is worshiping you. Father, I pray that you would grow us up through the preaching of your word to be more and more like Christ today. May you convict us of our sin through the Holy Spirit and gently guide us back to the cross where we lay our sin at the feet of the cross knowing that Christ, through his death and resurrection, both forgives us and gives us hope in the resurrection. Father, we celebrate Easter and we are so grateful for this season where we continue to lean in to be Easter people, people who are impacted by the glorious resurrection of our Savior. Father, I pray for those in our church who are hurting, those who are without, whether it is relational pain or physical pain, emotional pain, whether they're struggling with their jobs or with their loved ones. Father, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we're grateful and pray that you, through the preaching of the word, you be honored and glorified this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as I'm getting older, I'm learning. Uh, my wife's a nurse, um, and she's been teaching me uh, how important it is to go to the doctor as I get older. So I went for a physical about two years ago, first one in probably five or six years, and I learned that my cholesterol was a touch high. So I did my blood work, it came back, he gave me a call and said your your cholesterol is a little higher than it needs to be. And he kind of explained what this meant and Diane helped me understand it as well. And, you know, more, more or less, and most of you probably know this, he just said you need to kind of cut out some of these foods that cause higher cholesterol. And so for about nine days, I did exactly what he said. And about on the tenth day, I really just went back to my old way of eating. Whether that was red meat or eggs or whatever else that was on that list that he told me not to eat, I just transitioned. I said, you know what? Like I believe that in my head that you are right, but I'm just kind of, kind of adjust my life back to how it was pre doctor's visit. I'm just hoping the next time at the doctor's office, everything is gravy, not literally to the parent, that's bad for my cholesterol, but everything is good with the blood work. And when I come back, hopefully it's better, but clearly I understand. I mean, I, I get what cholesterol is, but the reality is that I don't truly believe that news was big enough to change how I live my life. Psalm 23, the psalm that we both read communally and then sang right after that, is probably in the top five of most well-known passages of Scripture. We love this passage, and we all honestly probably know exactly how it begins. Those five words, the Lord is my shepherd. And we know this is a good thing in our heads. We know this is a good thing when we read the passage today. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. When we read that or have it read to us, it brings a sense of comfort to us. We love the idea of the good shepherd, but do we actually want to be led by a shepherd? When we think back to the story of the cholesterol, we know the idea, we understand the idea that I, I understand that I need to make a change to my life based on what the doctor said, but am I actually willing to live my life in light of that news? Well, the reality is that we love the idea of the good shepherd more than we love actually being sheep. We love the idea because of it. If we believe this idea is real, the hard part is if we believe this idea is real, it means that something about our life has to change. And if we believe that Jesus is the Good Shepherd, that means that we are actually those sheep. And one of the reasons we struggle to believe this is that because sheep, by their very being, by their very nature, are vulnerable. And in need of a caretaker. Though we are made in God's image and you and I are incredibly valuable in the eyes of God. Being a sheep means that we have to, as brothers and sisters, as men and women, have to embrace our limits. Put simply, sheep are vulnerable creatures to predators and to themselves. You think about this, and we, we think sheep that are wild, out in the wild. You never actually say, oh, you never actually see or hear about or read about a sheep in the wild. When we think about other animals. There's actually an island off of the coast of Georgia that has wild horses roaming about. And they're perfectly fine on their own. We think about even our neighborhood, when there's dogs that are roaming about. Those dogs are able to find something to eat and scavenge and stay alive. Sheep. Because of their intellect Are actually not Able To roam the wild and stay Alive They're vulnerable to themselves and Each other and to predators Alike they're actually I learned this When I was researching a sheep that falls On its side oftentimes in an Effort to get back to its feet will roll Onto its back And like a turtle that's flipped over Cannot get back over and they have Just been found dead on their back, vulnerable to predators and to themselves. And a good shepherd knows, he knows, when he looks out at his sheep, he knows that their best life is not independent of him, but is walking alongside and being cared for by the shepherd. And this is, to make this point even further, I learned that when those shepherds, if they have a sheep that is roaming that oftentimes will run away from them, they will actually take that sheep and break the legs of that sheep and carry the individual sheep until those legs are healed. Then after those legs are healed, that sheep will never leave that shepherd's side. What a picture of what it is to be a sheep to that shepherd to be committed, to understand our dependence upon Jesus as the good shepherd. When it comes to our faith, we are very much like those sheep in need of a shepherd. Like sheep, we have a tendency to follow, but like sheep, we often confuse true leadership with the kind that is talked about in this passage of a hired hand. Shepherds who are in it for the wrong reason. Like sheep, we are endangered by those who prey on our vulnerability. Like sheep, we are perhaps most vulnerable to ourselves in our tendency to wander away from the care of a good shepherd. We certainly need that shepherd like Jesus, who is willing to care and sacrifice for us, accepting that we are indeed like sheep, Uh, The hardest part for many people is our human nature to want to be in control of our lives, yet to be a follower of Jesus means that we are recognizing that our independence is a hindrance and our dependence on Jesus is the way forward. But to be honest, if we are real, this flies in the face of the Christianity that we are used to. The Christianity that we've been Given, the Christianity that we have so often been preached at, preached at to us is a Christianity that is just simply a get out of hell free card and then a list of things to not do. This is an eternal, you know, get out of hell free card if you accept Jesus and then just kind of live your life waiting for Him to come back and don't do these bad things. But the gospel message, the picture we have here, of utter dependence upon Jesus is not just get-out-of-help free card. It's a life that is full of joy and peace and righteousness and holiness. The first part of that passage, then Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the Good Shepherd. So we have to make the connection here that this light, the picture that he is giving of being a shepherd to vulnerable sheep is not an insult to us. It's him saying your best life, your life to the full is living out this metaphor, this illustration. If we believed, if we really believed that God doesn't just want us to be forgiven, but wants us to have the fullness of of life, we have to understand this link between the fullness of life and trusting him as the good shepherd. And if we did this, I think we'd approach life a lot differently. I think instead of just confessing sin, we care about why do we run back to certain sins over and over again. Instead of just saying, okay, God, I need you to forgive me of this sin, we'd say to God, I don't want this sin a part of my life anymore because I want that fullness of life that you offer. I think when we think about life and what it looks like to be kind to our neighbor, we wouldn't think just, okay, I'm going to try harder to be kind, but we'd start doing some dig and get curious with ourselves on why is it so hard for us to be kind to fill in the blank certain types or personalities of people. And Pastor Max sermon last week gave me so much to think about. He was preaching last week, and I was struck by the question, really the vision that he cast to us of what would it truly be like for us to be a safe community to each other. What would it be like for our church community to be able to take off their mask, confess sin, and expect, not be surprised, but expect to be loved loved and cared for by one another. And I think at Redeemer, though we are tasting that, though we've been tasting it for years, there's still room and opportunities for us to continue to grow and move forward. And this, my friends, is our best life. A life of recognizing that we are fellow sheep and being herded by the Good Shepherd. And pointing each other towards that Good Shepherd and caring for each other along the way. A couple months ago, uh, my wife and I, we splurged and bought Six Flags season passes for our family. And it was a great pandemic activity, getting outside, distance from each other. And we were there with our good friends, the Stars, about probably two months ago or so. And our kids are all different ages and different heights, which matters at Six Flags because you can, you know, ride different rides based on your heights. And somehow we got split up to where some parents went with the younger kids and kept doing those, you know, uh, they're not called teacups anymore, but that's pretty much what they are. And once I hit 33, I I was out on teacups. Uh, I did it one time, and I was lying in bed. My eyes were still, like, going back and forth, and I was like, no more, no more can I do this. And so I ended up with the three oldest kids, uh, Ava, Anna, and Jay, uh, and we were going to the Superman ride. And so raise your hand if you've ever been to the Superman ride. So I had never been before. I had read about it. You know, when We when we gone before, our kids just weren't quite tall enough. So I you know, felt really selfish to be like, I'm just going to ride this one by myself. Uh, so I waited till they were old enough. And we are in line, and I'm kind of understanding a little bit, kind of how it works. Um, and there are four seats uh, that you you sit in. I got this uh, seat right here as a little prop to help understand this. But there's four seats that go four wide, and so we're next in line. And I recognize that the four seats you sit down in them four wide, and then when the when the ride starts to go, it pulls you up, and then you kind of push you flat, so it looks like you're it feels like you're flying. You know, hence the name Superman. And so we are you know, four wide getting in and it's I think it was Ava, Jay, me and Anna or Anna and I and then uh, we are getting ready to go and being the responsible parent that I am, I'm like, alright, let's make sure you guys are all strapped in. We just did the Blue Hawk, which for you OG Atlantas, that's the ninja from back in the day. They gave you a concussion every time you did it. They've improved that ride where you don't get a concussion anymore. But to the previous ride, we were riding with Anna, and I'm holding on to Anna. You, as a parent, you're just terrified they're going to fly out of these coasters. I'm holding on to her like I'm going to like catch her if we, you know, if we lose her, uh, going 50 miles an hour. But as a parent, you're Know, very nervous that they're not strapped in correctly and so I make sure they're all strapped in they get the harness down they get their legs in the little slots and then I pull my harness and I'm sitting down I pull my harness down and then I realize like I can't get my legs into the slot and so I didn't realize that was like step one step two those are very important to have in order I did step two and they couldn't get step one in there And so the guy, you know, the 16-year-old, you know, conductor kid, he just kind of walks on by, doesn't notice any problems. And I sit there, and I kind of panic a little bit, but don't say anything, which is a little bit of my personality. Like, if I've done something dumb, I'm just going to sit there and not tell anybody about it. And so I'm sitting there in this seat. And I realize at any moment, we're going to go from this position to this position, and my legs should be locked into these little slots, but I, they're just going to be hanging freely. So then I'm thinking to myself, okay, Drew, like maybe you can just pin your legs back and just hold them back the whole time. Granted, in the line, I just read this, this ride goes 60 miles per hour. I haven't missed leg day in like six straight weeks is what I'm thinking. I'm like, I'm sure I'll be fine. I'm sure this will be fine. I'm sure I can just, by the strength of my calves, hold them back. And so we start to move forward on the ride with my legs not strapped in at all. And this lady in line sees what's going on and completely freaks out. I, at this point, am a little bit embarrassed, but honestly very grateful for this lady. So she freaks out, and the conductor, you know, the 16-year-old kid, like, stops the whole ride, puts us all back down, and then he comes and, you know, takes me all out, and then puts me back in, checks me like five times. And then about 10 seconds into that ride, I realized that my legs, if they were not strapped in, I would be taking a wheelchair out of Six Flags. Like, there's a reason that they strap you in, and if it wasn't for that woman who looked at me in that line and said, it doesn't doesn't affect her my my legs do not affect her life at all. But she looked at me like a poor sheep that was not doing what they were told to do and said, I need to help that guy. And what a picture of what it is for us to be fellow sheep on this journey. What a picture for someone to say, I'm going to stop looking at my phone, recognize somebody else is having a problem, sound the alarm, and say, they need help. How can I help them? This is what it looks like to be the body of Christ to each other. We see this throughout the New Testament church, and specifically in Acts 4. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart, and soul and no one said any of the things that belonged to him was his own but they had everything in common church this is the early church this is first century brothers and sisters in Christ and with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all and just like this body of Christ this this, description of a body of Christ says in verse 34 Acts 434 there was not a needy person among them for as many as were owners of lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold laid it at the apostles feet and it was distributed to each as any had need first corinthians 12 another passage that i love talking about the body of christ god has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other if one part suffers every part suffers with it is this true of redeemer community church is it true if one person suffers if one family is suffering do we feel that in the other as the other parts of our church are we in tune with each other enough to understand this family is going through a difficult time? This individual is going through a difficult time. What does it look like for me to sound the alarm in a loving way and say, what can I do to come alongside you to help? To be filled with sheep means to have a deep concern for each other. It means fighting for marriages. If you're married, do you does anyone know when you have one of those two day fights that turns into a two week fight? Or are you living in isolation? It means caring about each other's relationship with Christ even when it's inconvenient to do so. A couple months ago, I was texting with a member of our church, Christina Nichols, and Texting with her on a Thursday, and we were trying to figure out something for church. I don't even remember what exactly it was. Uh, but she asked me to, to do something, and I said, Yes, I'll send, I'll take care of that in the morning and send you an email tomorrow morning, Friday morning. The next in the next moment she texted back and said, Drew, isn't Friday your Sabbath? Isn't that the day you take off? Is what she was saying. And I said to her, yes, that's it, but I'm sure I can I can knock that out in the morning, what you need me to do. And she texted back, she said, don't worry about it, just enjoy your Sabbath. What she did in that moment was say, though it's inconvenient for me, what's best for you is to honor the Lord and get rest on your Sabbath. Do we look at each other and say, I want you to flourish with your relationship with the Lord to the point even where it's inconvenient for me. That's what it looks like to be fellow sheep along this journey. It means coming alongside brothers and sisters who are experiencing singleness. Who are single and one of the struggles that we hear the most from non-married people is just feeling isolated, especially during a pandemic. And what does it look like for us as a community to Feel each other's pain to the point to where we're saying no one should feel isolated at this church. It means seeking to understand racism or sexism that our brothers and sisters experience. And as that passage says in 1 Corinthians 12, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. What does it look like for us to learn how other people are suffering, and to suffer alongside them, and to be advocates and allies. It means caring about the financial well-being of the person sitting across from you. There was not a needy person among them, Acts 4 says. That description in Acts isn't just an idea, it is a physical call for us to care for each other. So I want you to look at your neighbor right now. and Online, you can look at me. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I am a sheep. You can do it out loud. I am a sheep. And then look back at that neighbor and say, You are a sheep. Let's follow the Good Shepherd together. Amen. Brothers and sisters, may we as fellow sheep remember that our best life is not independent, but our best life is being dependent upon Christ together. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for the fact that Christ is our good shepherd. That through the gospel, we have been welcomed into this flock. And through the, sanctification work, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, we will grow in what it looks like to be dependent upon you. May you grow us up into men and women who are more and more like Christ and more and more dependent.